Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm your host, Sarah Seibert. This is the first episode of our Ethical AI mini-series. This series will feature federal AI leaders across civilian and defense agencies discussing the latest developments in artificial intelligence and how they're working to ensure these technologies are fair, transparent, and secure. The use of AI in government has only increased, enabling agencies to draw real-time analytics, streamline services, and even help identify health conditions. However, with the benefits comes risk. Biased algorithms could reproduce existing inequities or embed new harmful biases and discrimination, making ethical development and continuous monitoring essential. To support this goal, the White House Office of Science and Technology, or OSTP, published the Blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights to guide the design, use, and deployment of automated systems to protect the American public in the age of artificial intelligence. In collaboration with OSTP, Dr. Gil Alterowitz, Director of the National Artificial Intelligence Institute at the Department of Veterans Affairs, helped establish the framework to provide guidance whenever automated systems can impact the public's rights, opportunities, or access to critical needs. Alterowitz joins us today to discuss the ethical consideration behind AI development, successes from the AI Bill of Rights, recommendations for organizations leveraging AI, and next steps for the new year. So AI is quickly growing across federal government and healthcare. As more agencies and organizations begin to leverage AI, what are some of the ethical considerations that should be acknowledged? Right, right. So there's really a lot of things, you know, AI holds a lot of uh, promise, really, when you think about it, uh, for growing the United States economy, improving Americans' quality of life uh, across the board. And, uh, you know, there are a number of systems uh, and they're being explored uh, to help uh, drive uh, decisions and look at things that we've seen in uh, the private sectors. Um, we're now looking at a number of these uh, at the VA. Uh, and when you, whenever you look at new, uh, new ways of doing things, there's always, you know, essentially potentially risks uh, and benefits uh, in that. And so that's what uh, it's important to look at. And ethic, ethics uh, in AI is one of those uh, important areas. And so uh, the VA really has taken a leadership role in helping to define the risk and really understanding some of the principles and, and helping in creating some of those principles to putting uh, guardrails to help prevent uh, any uh, any occurrences that may go uh, that may go awry uh, by having that in place at the beginning, right? Right. We know the White House released the AI Bill of Rights in October, uh, and uh, it's looked at a number of different items and. Uh, our teams work together uh, with uh, both with some of these efforts, as well as with the uh, across uh, different agencies coming together with some of the different uh, responsible AI officials um, through working through uh, in interagency kind of uh, forum to uh, really understand what are some of the keep uh, some of the needs right. And so when I when we think about some of these, um, some of them include uh, transparency, right? So um, when is AI being used? Uh, sometimes what's AI is kind of unique in that it can appear to be uh, like a human in some cases. Uh, the, a voice can be generated that sounds just like a human. In fact, it could look, sound like a particular person. A video could be generated that can look like a particular person uh, who may not have even ever said those words before. 
those are just a few examples, right? And so being transparent so that people know when uh, they're uh, interacting with uh, something related to AI is, is quite important. Um, when you look at the different principles that we've uh, we've seen from the AI Bill of Rights, there's things around um, uh, discrimination protections, right? There are things around data privacy uh, that come about. Um, and then uh, having alternatives. So what if you uh, don't want to interact with uh, that AI mode or you are looking for kind of a different uh, way to uh, another way to interact with um, a system are there potential alternatives um, you know in in some cases there may be uh, ways to uh, to do that um, and then as I mentioned transparency right notice and explanation was one of the key items so just to, so that people are aware not only about AI but how what kind of metrics it uses what kind of data it's it's based on all of those kinds of pieces can uh, play a role to understanding how for example safe and effective that system is which is kind of the last uh, of the five pillars there that we've been looking at uh, within the VA that came from uh, the Bill of Rights um, there are other uh, principles as well from a trustworthy AI executive order, a binding order that has uh, nine different uh, principles. And so uh, we've seen a number of these frameworks come out. There's also one from OECD, uh, which is an international framework. It has another set of principles. Um, and uh, the VA has also some data ethics principles. There are a number of different ones of these. And so what we've done is worked on creating uh, mappings between these to find out what are uh, what principles are very similar, which ones are different, so that we can have and kind of establish these atomic units that we can then uh, look at and work to establish different ways to, to move forward, given all of these different frameworks that we want to be able to, to leverage and learn from. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And it's been great to watch the progress at VA. Um especially with the AI Bill of Rights, which we'll dive into later. Um, but earlier in the episode, you mentioned weighing out the risks and benefits when you're implementing AI. I think one of the risks that we've seen are biases. So how is VA mitigating bias as it continues to develop AI solutions? Right, right. It, bias is it's, it's an in interesting and important problem. It's one that certainly we can see in AI. We also can see it in, in many other areas, right? Because AI relies on underlying, it's underlying data. It also relies on its code. So you can see bias in a number of different, in different places. It could be in the underlying data set that was used. It was could be in terms of how the model was designed, how it integrates different data in maybe ways that weren't meant to, to be done. Um, and so, it has been and it continues to be important to work with all of those different um, sources, right? So that we can uh, learn and take practical steps. So, uh, you know, we're interacting with working within the data governance console um, and it has a number of different committees so that we can interact and learn about kind of, and leverage some of these different uh, experts across the field, as well as uh, being able to analyze uh, the different use cases for these different issues. Um, we're looking at whether, for example, a trustworthy AI playbook you know, may be helpful. Um, we're piloting uh, through one of the National AI Institute's um, centers um, in Long Beach, a hospital level committee to oversee AI um, uh, that's going on uh, in Long Beach right now. And that policy just got uh, approved and, and there's some interesting work there. Um, and then there are also national level efforts around governance. So as, as the uh, responsible AI official at the VA, 
one of the responsibilities is to um, involve in approving these different plans around how do you ensure that the AI use cases uh, actually meet uh, the nine principles that I mentioned from the trustworthy AI executive order. And so we have to have a, uh, you know, a committee that, you know, will meet and, and it, it evaluates these different use cases and looks at where there may be potential biases. And, you know, it's something that then we learn from, right? Because as we look at some use cases, we find patterns. And so then we can make guidance that people even before they start in the future, they can understand where these uh, can come from um, and then uh, hopefully develop solutions so that uh, from the beginning, uh, we can make sure to, in the design phase, look at these. And as I mentioned before, we're also interacting with the other agencies through uh, the responsible AI officials to learn more about how their doing things, communicate with the lessons that we've learned, then we learn lessons from others. And, and that's a great way to um, also be able to uh, understand if there are general patterns that aren't specific to one particular uh, you know, program that's running, but then we can apply it and learn from that to other, other uh, instances of that overall use case, or maybe even to other use cases. Yeah, that's great to hear. And to have that governance committee meeting around AI to share multiple perspectives is great because I think what I've heard is some biases are just unknowing. You know, it comes from a developer who may have a thought or perspective on something and then it makes it in. But to try to cut those out in the beginning is nice. Good to hear. Uh, so what are some of the ways you're protecting veteran privacy as you integrate AI into VA workflows and services? Right, right. That's a great question. I, I think that one relates to also the the issue or the kind of the situation that AI is uh, kind of one part of uh, where you'd be involved in protecting veteran privacy, right? There's a lot of areas around protecting veteran privacy. And so there are offices that work on protecting privacy, for example, around the data, right? Around the data parts or around the um, when you're doing uh, access to certain types of uh, information when they're, uh, you know, they're logging in and different ways to do that. So there is that component. And then there are aspects also to integrate specifically that relate to AI, privacy around AI. Um, and those are the ones that, you know, are really, um, you know, there are a lot of kind of new emerging use cases there. And so what we've done is we don't want to reinvent the wheel, right? We don't want to make a whole new uh, setup just for AI. So we take things that are already there. So I'll take you through an example, uh, which is these institutional review boards, right? Existed for a while, kind of came out a long time ago based after this Belmont report that found that, you know, when you're doing, in this case, research, uh, it it's actually, you know, it's important to follow a certain set of uh, principles. And so uh, this board basically evaluates proposals for doing research to ensure that you're using uh, data in a, in a proper way, you're getting consent in a way that the person is, is understands what they're agreeing to in the research. You know, again, this is just an example, but there you can see that AI can certainly, and when we have seen it in a number of different research programs, right? And so, uh, but it turns out that these boards, they may not know kind of what questions to ask or what to really be thinking about. So rather than creating a whole new institutional review board process, we created a module that we're now piloting. And uh, at, one, at a couple of these, uh, the I mentioned the, the National AI uh, Institute uh, centers, uh, you know, to start with, to pilot and get that feedback about how 
this a module like this would be useful, used, and how we can modify it once it's it's out there. Uh, and we've gotten already some great feedback, and it turned out that actually at one of the first pilot sites, which actually was at the actually at the Long Beach, you know, one that I, I mentioned before, also um, it was able to find, in this case, it was an industry-sponsored trial. It was able to find that there was a, uh, through going through these questions, again, these are kind of optional questions that we're now piloting. It was able to, you know, they were able to find that uh, there was some potential around, uh, you know, issues with transparency and potentially, you mentioned, you know, privacy, uh, putting that at risk. And so um, rather than, and so, you know, rather than having a whole new process, this process was able to do that by putting in this additional component. Um, and, you know, this was tested in, and uh, compared to other places where the same uh, actual uh, trial was being uh, looked at. And, and then we were able to learn uh, from the results of what other centers did compared to what this center did with, you know, having these additional questions. And they were able to intercept it at this early stage. Um, and so that that's uh, been... Uh, part of the process, of, as, as you know, has been kind of piloting and learning, so that way we can make sure to protect the veteran privacy in a way that builds on some of the existing efforts. And this is just one of a number, you know, a number of things that are ongoing. But I want to give you one that actually we were able to, you know, we were, you know, we specifically found something related to um, the transparency and veteran privacy that then uh, it was prevented from uh, occurring because. Uh, it was done in that early stage when the the board, you know, saw it at uh, that, uh, that center. Right. That's really exciting. Uh, and I look forward to watching how some of those pilots and test sites build on the momentum you all have going with the AI projects in your pipeline. And so we've mentioned this a couple of times, but last year, can't believe we're already in 2023, <laughs> OSTP in collaboration with VA announced its AI Bill of Rights. What are some of the successes you've seen since publishing the document? Yes. So that was great to see that work that came out from uh, OSTP. And um, I think uh, we, you know, we were part of that, uh, uh, that uh, fact sheet where we had a number of things that we had uh, focused on in that work. Um, we were focused on a number of things around, for example, creating this uh, AI network. And that network within the VA has the ability to pilot and uh, test some of these uh, principles, right, uh, which we've done. I think I mentioned one of them, right, that um, Institution Review Board. Uh, I think I mentioned the other one also around uh, this oversight committee, a mm -hmm. hospital level oversight committee that's being piloted um, that has policy that's now in place to to do that. And uh, there have been a number of other uh, things that we've been uh, working working toward that uh, leverage and and uh, take on some of that that work and uh, building on those successes. So you know we've been. Uh, expanding that network, that AI network, uh, looking to see how to expand that, um, creating and uh, ways to work within the um, within both, you know, within the structures that exist. So I mentioned, for example, the, the data governance console. Um, you know, some some work there uh, where you know we have an AI uh, work group uh, that really uh, works together on on some of the and analyzing some of these. Uh, and moving forward. And then um, there's other work that kind of seeks to bring everyone essentially at the VA together. So there's an AI VA community. And what it does is, you know, it, it has these different um, clusters. Um, and some of those clusters involve 
areas like ethical AI. So anyone in the VA can join those and be involved, even if they're, um, you know, just they're new and they're just interested to learn more. Um, and we've seen quite a bit of involvement and we've had, um, uh, conferences, uh, and we'll continue to have conferences to also bring people together, both from within the VA and outside the VA. Uh, we actually recently, well, relative, you know, relatively recently had the, the conference uh, late last year, um, which brought together a number of um, uh, parties. And after, after that was over, we actually asked um, the different ones and uh, different people who attended um, you know, the, the summit did it, it's part of this uh, new thing that we call the AI summit series. Last year was the brain summit, uh, was a part of that. And, uh, we asked, you know, has it increased people's confidence in trustworthy AI at the department of veterans affairs? And, uh, 92% agreed or strongly agreed with that statement, uh, at the result of the conference. So we're hoping that by bringing people together, by, uh, by enabling people learn from each other. Um, where we'll be able to uh, ensure that there is a trust with AI and, and and bring about that level of confidence. Uh, and finally, you know, working across the interagency, as I mentioned, with other responsible AI officials, we have a uh, we're able to work together and learn from each other. Yeah, that's really impressive. Ninety three percent. Wow. This seems like a great opportunity to plug your last HealthCast episode. So if the listeners want to learn more about uh, the AI network, Dr. Alterovitz joined us last month to discuss. Uh, so what advice would you give to organizations that are building out AI solutions to ensure it's trustworthy? Yes, I think there's a lot to be uh, thinking about here. I think the, the key, which I alluded to a little bit earlier, is that it's really important Essentially, prevention is the most important, like, like thinking at the very beginning about the design process, intercepting these, these any issues kind of before uh, they're implemented, um, and then learning as you kind of uh, keep going, right? So I'll give you an example of that in a little bit. But, um, but you know, starting from the beginning, making sure people are aware of the design considerations. And then once it's out there, it, it, essentially, that's not enough. That's kind of a... That's necessary, but it's not sufficient. You need to then uh, have a monitoring of it. I'll give you an example where we were looking at um, COVID-19 and, and looking, you know, kind of within uh, this uh, setting and uh, to see, uh, you know, before it was used, but just to see kind of in this setting of uh, quality improvement, could there be, uh, could you predict uh, things around how uh, the patient would do after a certain amount of time, right? And, you know, at, at the beginning, you know, it looks like, oh, predictor's doing really well. That's great, right? So you might be like, oh, okay, that's design. Well, let's launch this thing, right? But it's important to keep monitoring, right? Um, and before launching or even, you know, in this case, not launch, but let's say after launching to keep monitoring because you always learn new things. So what we learned is that as you got new waves of COVID, the model that worked in the first case may not work as well in the second case because you've got a different variant it has it affects different kinds of patients in different ways and uh and and the geographies changed of where you uh first created your model in one city versus another city and so it's important to kind of keep monitoring and not assume that um that that just because you learned a model one time that it'll always be uh, as effective uh, you know, it still may be effective, but maybe it won't be as effective. And then you'll be able to understand that. Or it may be that new biases are introduced over time that you want to be careful about. So I think that's kind of the, the piece. You got to, uh, as I mentioned, first thing about from the design stage, but then always be 
uh, kind of thinking about, um, are there changes that are occurring over time? Are there new types of data that may be coming in or are there biases that may be introduced over time um, that you want to be thinking about? Um, and, uh, and then, so how do you do this? I mean, you can have a, uh, a guidebook or a playbook, or you can have um, you know, a committee that evaluates these. There are a number of ways to kind of ensuring about it, some of these aspects, but I think the key is to just realize that it's not like, uh, you know, when you think about usually in contracting, you buy something, you're done, and, you know, after you integrate it, you're kind of done until uh, you have to buy the next version for some reason. At least at this stage, in um, the development of AI, and uh, we're not we're not at that stage where you just kind of buy and you're done. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And VA or Nye, I should say more specifically, uh, has a great program to bring in some of this innovation and test out new projects. Uh, so you all have tech sprints. What role do the tech sprints play in innovating within AI while maintaining ethical and privacy expectations? Right, right. And, and that's actually part of the the role of the AI tech sprints, um, which, you know, we collaborate with a number of parties uh, across the VA and uh, in some sprints also across agencies. Um, are, are one of the goals essentially of the AI tech sprint is to enable us as well as the potential collaborators that may be in industry, academia and others, to be able to see how their AI models or work may work uh, for the VA or with the data without uh, some of the issues around the ethics and privacy. So how do you do that, right? That's mm -hmm. the, the the question. So there's um, a, a number of ways to do that. You can use synthetic data. There can be these specialized kind of data agreements. Um, and uh, and that's, you know, um, how we basically focus the ad tech sprint on these uh, types of um, data sets that allow us um, uh, an ability to learn about how those models could work. because. Otherwise, it's a it's a, it's a risk essentially of like taking a model that may have worked outside the VA to just use it in the VA or to introduce research to researchers to use it. It, it is a risk because um, you know the veteran population uh, is different uh, and may be uh, different from the general population. So there may be essentially biases. It's almost kind of the opposite in that the general population is sort of biased to being the general population. The VA is a more specific population, whereas, right. you know, sometimes you have biases kind of going the other way, which is that you are using a very specific population and you did not, you, it doesn't generalize. But uh, mm -hmm. the other way also occurs, and that's why the AI tech sprint is one way to enable us uh, to do that. Um, and the other piece of it is that we learn about the types of things that we want to be careful about. Uh, in doing that. And um, a number of these have resulted subsequently, not only in the prize money of the AI tech sprint, but afterwards in uh, contracts. And uh, and so we've been working within uh, the VN parts of the organization to see what kind of language would be interesting, uh, would, well, would be not only interesting, but would be uh, useful uh, to put in there um, to enable uh, trust with the AI and that it follows uh, those principles, right? So to ensure that the users of, um, or that the, the people who are, uh, are awarded those contracts, uh, you know, would enable, would follow the, those principles even after the, the AI tech sprint is over. 
Right. That's really interesting. And uh, I definitely look forward to seeing how synthetic data, which you mentioned earlier, plays a role in that. I think that has a lot of potential. Uh, so moving forward, what are some of your top priorities when it comes to ethical AI? Right, right. So there's really a, a number of key areas, I think, that we we think about here. So one is around, um, there, you know, certainly a number of areas, but I mentioned a few before, I'll emphasize a few here. So ensuring equity around AI use and benefits. We want everyone to be able to benefit from it, and we want to make sure that it's used in an equitable way. Um, another area is enabling transparency on AI uh, mm -hmm. use and its associated metrics, right? So um, many times we'll see different tools, for example, in AI textbooks, others, you know, they may claim they're 99% uh, accurate in some way, but they're different metrics to measure performance. And it's important to kind of compare an apple to an apple, so to speak. Uh, and so understanding the metrics and how to compare them and, and so that people are comfortable and we can uh, increase the trustworthy, uh, essentially the confidence in trustworthy AI use, that trustworthy um, AI confidence, essentially. And so um, the other piece, to ensuring that trustworthy AI confidence is to ensure that AI is communicated both to the users of the AI, which might be, you know, it might be a clinician or something like that, as well as the beneficiaries. That might be the patient or uh, wherever the AI is actually uh, being used. And so I, as people uh, get to understand and learn more about uh, how it is being used, um, then they can understand the benefits and the potential risks, you know, just like any uh, new approach um, when it's being used. And then finally, our one of our priorities is really just to help in ethical AI to bring people together and learn from others, right? We see that at the VA, there's some things that we've learned. We've been involved in, um, you may have seen, there's a fact sheet uh, with uh, there are other countries that we've made agreements with uh, and or um, uh, we've worked to learn from their approaches on ethical AI, whether it be in Europe, Asia, other other places. And so what uh, we seek to do is to learn from as many places as possible. And one way we're aiming to do that is through the AI Summit Series. So um, this, I guess, uh, after you know, in September, maybe after around after Labor Day, we're planning uh, a the next version of the AI Summit Series. This year, remember, was the Brain uh, Summit. Uh, mm -hmm. Next year, it's going to be uh, the theme is going to be around international uh, health and, and AI. And, and this theme of trust for the AI is one that we uh, really are looking to, um, to, you know, to focus on uh, and to expand on some of the uh, collaborations uh, and approaches that we've been uh, looking at. Uh, that have been announced uh, that you you may have seen. There's one uh, with the U.S. Israel one that we were in the fact sheet. That was a couple months ago. There are other things that are ongoing that uh, would be really uh, interesting to learn from. Uh, you may know that there's a number of um, uh, vendors that we work with also that are international. And so, uh, making sure that we learn from them and making sure that also veterans that uh, are uh, in the international sphere also benefit from this work are is another area that we're uh, looking forward to uh, in the coming year. Right. That's all really exciting. And it's been great to watch the momentum over the past two years alone. It's been incredible. So thank you so much for joining me for the second month in a row. It's always an honor to have you and uh, hear your take on different topics within AI. Great. Thank you very much for having me on, Sarah, and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing the rest in this uh, exciting new series. Thank you. HealthCast 
along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.